You're listening to MOG Channel. Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is MOG Channel where we help you to see a real and practical Christian from God's Word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. It's actually one of my favorite and uh, I think one of the most uh, terrifying go-to verses in the scriptures. Now, when we say terrifying, it's not because it's bad, but because it's an awakening kind of scripture. All right. So we're going to be delving into it briefly this day. And by God's grace, it should help you to reassess and reevaluate your reason for living. All right. So it says clearly here, and he died for all. Who died for all? Christ Jesus. He died for all. How many people did he die for? All. Why did he die for all? Because he loved all. All right? But now look, look at what he says. And he died for all that they which live. So I want to say first of all, he died for all. In dying for all, it means that every single individual on this planet is covered here. He died for all. Everybody. He now says that they which live. So, why did he die that we may live? Are you seeing that? He died so that we may have his life. He became poor, you get, in the sense that he gave his life that we may become rich in eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not what, perish but have what, everlasting life. And he died for all that they which what, live. So he died that she will have what, life. Jesus said, I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my father's hand. Are you seeing that? He died to give you life. Not just life, but his own life by the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live for themselves. You know, this is actually a serious text. He says that they which live, those who have now received this life, he says, should not henceforth live to themselves. In other words, the idea is that the moment you get saved, you are set free from living for yourself. In other words, what he's saying here is that the man who is not saved has no capacity to live selflessly. The man who is not saved has no capacity to live beyond himself. It means that all the good deeds and all the good things and all the good efforts and every attempt at benevolence and selflessness, he calls it living for yourself. He just summarizes it like that. He says, no matter how good the act has been, no matter what you've been doing for other people, even if you say, I give, like Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 13, I give my body to be burned, right? He says, nope, that you've been living for yourself. You've been living for yourself. Paul said like this and have not love he said I am nothing so we've been living for ourselves so I mean someone will find that hard to be what am I trying to say here? but I, I give to charity I in fact some people even go to church they're not born again though I give to charity I you know I, I spend millions I mean someone like uh, Uncle Gates gives like I had a billion dollars to education every year right we do a lot of medical projects this that that we go to orphanages how can you say that I am not living for the Lord, 
or for God. He says, or oh, that I'm not living, I'm living for myself. He says, look, if you're not born again, number one, he says, you don't have the ability to live above you. Everything you do is directed towards you. In other words, your purest thoughts or actions or motivations, your purest expressions are tainted with your selfish desires. No matter what it is. That's why you see the Bible, with, you know, Paul will say it like this, that there's nothing good in me in the book of Romans. There's nothing good in me. The person who is not born again, there is nothing good inside that person. Nothing good. All your good intentions are, <laughs> are tainted by an evil heart. Bible says the heart of man is what? Desperately wicked. So regardless of what you do, regardless of it, that's why the, the man who is not saved cannot bring his works before God. They are selfish. You see that? They are an extension of his selfish nature. He has the nature of the devil. His nature is selfish. He lives for himself. So he now tells us clearly that there are two kinds of men on, in this world. Because he says, they which live should henceforth not live for themselves. In other words, they which now live, those who are now saved, those who are now born again, can decide to still continue doing what they are doing before. They can decide to keep living for themselves. They can decide to keep on behaving the way they've been behaving. They can decide to still have the same purpose and priority that they adopted while they were not saved. And with that, they will be no different from the unbeliever. And today, truly, we've seen that. that there are many who are indifferent. That is, you cannot separate the two. They look the same, they act the same, they talk the same, they behave the same, they live for the same things. But he tells us here that they which live should henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him who died and rose again, who died for them and rose again. So there are two kinds of men, those who live for the Lord and those who live for themselves. I simple. That is, the, the world is split into these two kinds of men those who live for themselves and those who live for the Lord. Are you seeing that? Yes. Those who what, live for themselves and those who live for the Lord. And this is so powerful, so serious. If you remember 1 Corinthians 7, the Bible talks about the virgin, right? Which is the lady that is unmarried. It talks about the fact that the reason she's unmarried, her focus is on the Lord. That she, she All her occupation is how she may what? Please the Lord. In other words, she lives for the Lord. Her singleness is for the Lord. Right? I was answering a question on Instagram the other day and I was talking about the fact that the reason given for believers, the two reasons given for believers to not marry. If you don't want to marry, you must fall into these two categories or how you know you should marry or not. These are just two categories. Number one, ask yourself, can you stay away from sex? Right? Can you stay without sex? That's the first one. And all this is found in 1 Corinthians 7. And the second one is this. If you are staying single, is it for Christ or for yourself? And those are the two criteria we use to determine it. If you cannot answer these two questions, my guy, I go and marry or whatever. <laughs> Do you understand? So, it says that they which live should not henceforth live for themselves. Now, you know, this can be very vague term because there are many people that believe they are living for the Lord. Why? Because I go to church. I warm the chair very well. I even attend midweek, midweek service. I'm trying. I'm really, really trying. Right? What else? Okay. I give offering. I pay my tithe. Right? I even stream live when I'm at home and I cannot be in church. I'm living for Jesus. But is that what the Bible really says? Maybe. 
But you know, it's interesting to read the next verses, right? Because that's how we have an idea of what, you know, they are talking about. Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. You know, we have known Christ after the flesh. We now henceforth know him no more. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. So the question is, what has passed away? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed. What are the old things? You have to come back to verse 15. That henceforth, we should no longer live for ourselves. Are you seeing that? In other words, the old creature is wired to live for himself. The old creature is wired in such a way that his, his highest aspirations are selfishness. He can't live above that. His, his most noble intentions are selfish. They're just an extension of his selfishness. Are you seeing that? So, and what do we what do we mean by that when, when we say that? It's simple. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, take no thoughts for your life. You know, okay, he now, in the verses before, he says, no one can serve two masters. You either love one or hate the other, you know, or love one or despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. So in other words, he is telling us that there are two kinds of men. The same way is the same thing that Paul is elaborating here. There are two kinds of men, those who live for God and those who live for mammon. What is mammon? Take no thought for your life. In other words, these people take too much thought for their lives. Their cares, they, they live for the cares of this world. They live for what this world can offer them. They live, their goal in, li- you know, in life, their primary goal is to get ahead in life, to be as comfortable as possible to achieve as much as they can, to get the accolades and praises of men, you understand, to be significant in this world. That is, their minds are set on things below. Their minds are set on the earth. Their minds are set on finances. Their minds are set on comfort. Their minds are set on things that men treasure and value in this world. Carnal things, things that have no eternal relevance. That's where their minds are, right? The men of this world or women of this world, their minds are majorly on marriage. You get marriage, having children, building a house, going to the best schools. And I mean, all those things are nice. You see, we're not saying the new creation does not have access to these things, you see, but they don't become his reason for living. You see that? Because all those things are focused on you, 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 me, 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 you know, self-gratification. We don't make self-gratification the reason for living or the reason for our existence. Are you seeing that? We don't make it a reason for existence. And there are many believers today that we can't, the reason we attend church is really because of what God will do for us. You see, we just took that selfishness from the, from the world. We came into church, we brought it with us. So the reason you are in church is still you. Why? Husband, car, house, you know, rent, whatever. It's still about you. And so that's why you have a lot of believers who, when God, in quote, does not, in quote, do it. He doesn't, in quote, heal you. He doesn't give you that job. He doesn't, you know, and will is not God that doesn't do those things. It's just you don't know how to receive. But when they don't see the results that they came to church for, what happens? They disappear. They try another church. Say, this church, God is not in this church. He's not in this church. You go, you step out, look for another church. You know, you're looking for fruit of the womb or whatever it is. You keep moving from church to church because you think that the reason the church exists is to serve you. But he says no. Verse 15 says, He died for all that they which live should not henceforth what live unto themselves. In other words, self-consolation happens. It is no longer about you. He says, but for him, 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 him who died and rose again. He died for you that you live for him. That's what happened. 
So it is actually a contradiction to see a believer, someone who is born again, who is only interested in, oh, I'll just make heaven. No. Clearly from the beginning, you confessed him as your Lord. He died for all that they which live to hell will not live to themselves. In other words, you have no right to live for yourself. Getting saved means I don't live for me anymore. I now live for him. And what does that look like? What does it look like? Is it just about going to church, fasting, and all that? No. Look, let's let's read down. It says, so it said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things are passed away. That old tendency to live for you, that old struggle to, you know, to live for God is, is gone. You know, it's no longer a struggle. That tendency to live for mammon is gone. To be occupied with natural things at the expense of spiritual things. You see that? You know, such people, for example, they, they, their value system is usually messed up. You see how, you know, this, they, they are like, because lordship of Christ or what you truly live for is expressed in your values or it's expressed in your decisions, right? You would probably see a person who does not mind <laughs> going outside the country, you get, for a paid job. Oh, they say, look, um, we're going to pay you $6,000 every month, all expenses paid, da 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 come over to Dubai to, you know, for the job. And they don't mind, even if it's going to take them six or eight weeks of training or 10 weeks of training just to get that job, to travel out, to live in Dubai, work there and make all that money. And everyone is happy. But the same person, if in the church, they say there's a need to go to Saudi Arabia or Dubai and share the gospel, they want to send people on missions there. And your pastor says, I have a leading in my spirit that you should go for that. This is what I feel in my heart that the Lord is saying you should do. So we'll pray about it and, and all that. And if, you know, if it's a witness, prepare. Because we want to send you there, right? We'll send there. We'll probably provide accommodation for you but and, and support you in any way we can. You get, but it's really to go and establish a work for the Lord there. You know... Uh, you see the massive difference in the person's attitude. The difference will be so massive, you will always, all of a sudden see beads of sweat. The person will be asking, ah, is that how God talks? Will God just say this one like that? Ah, I'm not sure. Oh, hmm, this is that one. You go home, your whole family will say, ah, what kind of, what is that? Now, what kind of pastor is that? What kind of nonsense is that? How can you just send someone's child to just go to Dubai like that and everything and just go and do what? For what? For what? For what? Ah, uh-uh. is it not? What's wrong with evangelism here? This, da, 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 da. What's the problem? Same package, just that one is going to actually pay you eternally. Mostly. Will pay you eternally. One, the value will not be seen till eternity. And actually, it will last forever. But the other one, you'll, be, you'll see the value now. And that's the problem. Many people trade earthly values or, or earthly things, they, they, mundane things. They trade spiritual things for mundane things. In other words, what I can see now. The carnal man deals with what I can see now, what I can taste now, what I can touch now. You get It's just like Esau who sold his birthright. Esau had a birthright. You get He had a blessing by right as a first son. But he said, what is that to me? Give me food now. He exchanged something that was going to last for generations for something that he could take and taste right now. And that's how many believers are, right? Because now, when we say to live for God, 
if you actually want to know what that means, you now come to verse 18. And all things are of God who has what reconciled us to himself by who? Jesus Christ. And has given to us the what? Ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says then we are now, now then we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. Representatives for Christ through the gospel. In other words, to live for Christ, what it actually means, what it means is to actually live for the gospel. What is the gospel? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. Who that does not believe shall be damned. This side shall fall them that believe in my name, cast out devils and all those things. Matthew 28 clearly tells us, right, that we should go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, the Great Commission is supposed to be our assignment. It's supposed to be what we live for. Why are you alive right now as a Christian? You're alive for one major thing, one major thing. You're not alive for the kind of job you're working. No, that's only a platform to preach the gospel, make some money to survive in this world. You're not alive for your marriage. The Bible says that in heaven or and in the resurrection, they don't marry or give married like the angels. So marriage is not why you're here. It's not for your children. Yeah, it's not for your children because if marriage is not that important, children are not that important. That's the truth. You can decide not to have children for the gospel. Well, I mean, Christ here, yeah, you know, Christ is the embodiment of what really matters. When he came, he didn't marry. There were many sisters around. He never married any of them. He didn't sleep with any of them. Had no children. Could he have? Yes, he could have, but he did not. To let you know that those things are not the utmost priority. They are not the most important things. Some people, they carry marriage on their head. Right? Some people, this val- I mean, imagine there are Christians who this Valentine's period will be feeling pressure because they don't have a valid date. That's a person whose priorities are so misplaced. Yes. Because you don't have a date for Val's Day. You're so worried. You're so, how is it going to go now? How's this thing going to go? You know who's going to, you know, my friends are, no, 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 no. You are still living for yourself. You are still in, in primary one. You need to actually step up. It says, henceforth, we don't live for ourselves. Are you seeing that? We're ambassadors. We've been committed a message. So in other words, my service to Jesus, my living for Jesus is expressed in my commitment, my dedication to the gospel. That would mean my dedication to the local church, my dedication to service, my dedication to preaching the gospel, my dedication to raising disciples, my dedication to following them up, my dedication to praying for them. Are you seeing that? My dedication to teaching the word, my dedication to studying the word, my dedication to prayer. This is These are the things, these are the landmarks we used to know. If there's a way we can evaluate your commitment to Jesus, if you are living for Jesus, this is what we used to know. Your obedience to Christ. You're obeying him. You know, there's one thing here that, and I see this among graduates a lot, where you've graduated, I mean, you were on fire for the Lord in school, right? You were so on fire, you loved the Lord. You did so much for the Lord on campus. You come out of campus now and then, in quotes, life hits you. And for many of them, they know, okay, there's some of them that know, okay, I'm supposed to start doing full-time ministry, blah, blah, blah. Start and there are many of them that say, no, I beg, I think I'm just going to go get a job and do some work. And then after I've made a lot of money, then I'll come back to it. And there are those who are, okay, I don't have that kind of assignment. But the decisions they make for the kind of job that they take, tells you a lot about their priorities and values. They act as if it's do or die. Yes, sometimes lots of pressure from family and all that. Sometimes you really need the money. 
But a job that makes you work from Sunday to Sunday is not of God. A job that takes all your time and effort and energy. And, you know, I mean, even those days, at least banking jobs, if you are even going to exchange spiritual things for mundane things, at least let it be hefty so that you can compensate yourself when you can lose rewards if you can cry more. You know, there's, there's no comparison. Sorry, there's no comparison. But now, in fact, a banker may collect 120,000, which is crazy, like, <laughs> for a month. 120, and you give your whole soul. Some of them will still work Saturdays, still work Sundays. And honestly, it's, I mean, there are Christians I know who make the work they do in the bank as their outreach, which is that as they are dead, they are still, because of them, people are saved in the bank, because of them people are speaking in tongues in the bank, because of them, the staff are like discipled and all that. They create time, they create system for that. And, and kudos to such people. But many believers, come on, they don't do that. You allow something, just take away your time, take away everything you know that you should be doing for the Lord. Some people have become say you have justified it by saying, okay, my money will go for me. And so they're making all this money. They are slaves to someone, to one boss, making all this money. Sometimes, sometimes they're even slaves to their business. And they are now giving, you know, giving, supporting the gospel and all that. No, God wants you first before he wants your money. I seen that he died that we henceforth we who live should henceforth no longer live for ourselves but for him who died and rose again Paul put it very clearly he said to live is Christ to die is gain to live is Christ to die is gain now with Philippians chapter 1 verse um, 21 for me to live is Christ to die in, to die is gain I seen that Verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall stay and continue with you for your or for your forgeries and join the faith. Why was he saying, okay, verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me? By my coming to you again. So what he's saying, he's just clearly saying, look, I want to, I'm I'm really tired of this life. I want to die and go because being with Jesus is far better than being here. But you see, I could go, but I know that to be here, the reason why I'll be here, if I'm here, it's going to benefit you a whole lot in the gospel. You're going to grow. You're going to be disciple. You're going to be trained. So I'll stay. I'll stay a bit more because of you. Are you seeing that? A man has, this man has, you know, some to, to people, Paul would be one of the most foolish people on earth. Because this this Jesus that he has gone to serve, what has this Jesus even, what has it, what has what, what has it done for him in this life? Beatings, torturing, suffering, shipwrecks, almost being robbed, almost killed several times, in prison, often. <laughs> he even wrote the same stripes in beatings far above measure and then finally he was sent down to Rome he witnessed to the uh, to Caesar there and then what happened next he was beheaded that was the end of Pastor Peter I said Peter sorry Paul that's the end imagine that oh glory that's the glamour that's the that's it that's what happened to him Someone would have looked and said, this is the biggest fool on the planet. Why can't you take our time? You didn't even marry because of this thing. Why didn't you just calm down, have a family and everything? Well, yeah, this guy, you know, in eternity, we're going to realize he was a fool. These are men that there's something they saw 
if you look at all the 12 apostles, you know, you will realize that this is not like a guess game, right? It's us Christians today who are getting it wrong. All these 12 apostles looked and they sat down and evaluated something. They said, look, by the time you just explain to them certain things about this kingdom and explain certain things about the gospel, they just rationally sat down and said, no, there's nothing else to live for. And you see all of them, they all died for that gospel. Because whatever you are, whatever it is you live for, you should be able to die for. So they saw all of it and they just considered, say, no, this is actually worth dying for. And you see that they all, all of them actually paid for it with their lives. All of them. It tells you something that their value was eternal. It wasn't bound to this earth. Today we have many believers, many of us are mundane, where we just care about what we can eat now, what, what we can do now, you know, what we can the accomplishment achievements. We get so much sense of fulfillment. Some of us from academics, you get all the PhD and, the, and those things are good, but they are not true. The problem here is that many people achieve their goals at the expense of the gospel. Say, hey, what do you expect me to do now? Hey, it's masters. Is this one? What do you expect me to do? Is a job. Won't I eat? Hey, what do you expect me to do? Is my husband. What do you expect me to do? I have children. There's always an excuse for why they cannot born for Jesus. But we're all going to meet that Jesus in the end. And you're going to realize that you could, you could have sacrificed things. Sometimes it could be sacrificing a much better job for one that <laughs> is not so good. Just so that you can go to church. Just so you can be part of the church system. Just so you can still have time to win souls and preach the gospel. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Sometimes the pressure is there. Sometimes there are bills there. It's true. Some people, they just, have, they just know they can't even walk. God has told them, you can't walk. You have to be with me full time. So they just have to be trusting God by faith for money, for, you know, for people's giving and whatever the church they are running can give them and all that. That's what some people have to do just to make sure that they are fully committed to the gospel. There are people that decide not to get married. There are people that God tells them don't get married just so they can pursue this gospel. The question is what can you and what have you given up for this gospel? Because what you actually live for, you are willing to give things up for. If it's money you live for, right? If it's your status and all that stuff, you realize you're willing to burn the midnight oil. Study as, as, as much as possible. You get some people, it's their body that is, their, is, is they, they live for. To live healthy and all that, you can see the amount of hours they spend in the gym, the amount of times they do used to tone their bodies and how they eat and all those things. Everybody's making sacrifices. Because what you live for, you can also what die for, you can also sacrifice for. So the question to you listening to me is, what are you living for? Can you honestly say by looking at these evaluations that you are living for Jesus Christ? Can you actually say that? Because if you're not, you have to make adjustments. It starts with a decision that Christ is actually your Lord. You lose control over yourself. He is the one who is now in charge. And you do that by submitting to the authority of the local church. Your church, the question is, how have you been going there? Just breezing once in a while. Once I say, the grace of the Lord, you're out. No, you have to be there. So, you know, your pastor, submit to your church, submit to their, 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 whatever they are doing. Become a part of the system. Serve. You get, grow yourself in evangelism. When they go out, you go out. Do start doing personal evangelism by yourself. You see that? Have some people you are taking under your wing to help them to grow spiritually. Grow in your study of the word and prayer so that you can also teach the word and minister to other people. Grow in your ability to lay hands on the sick and see them re recovered. All these things require focus. 
And then that's how you can actually truly say you are living for Jesus. Don't be satisfied with just going to church. That doesn't count for anything. When you get to heaven, they're not going to mark registry like that. Say, oh, check. Oh, yeah, you missed church twice. And you say, oh, yeah, a good Christian. Really, really good. No, that's not it. In fact, we want you to get to the point whereby if you travel to another country or whatever, where there's no church, you can, you can start it there. You can start it there. That's the whole goal. That's the whole idea. You understand? God is waiting for such people to come on the scene. Okay? All right, guys. That is it for today. I hope that this has made you consider, reconsider a lot of things and make quality decisions, right? Um, if you're listening to me and you're not saved, because uh, we explain the fact that it's only the person who is born again that has the ability. Because the truth is that there's nothing that we're saying here that is born out of just God being cruel. No, it's really because God actually has you in mind. God has you at heart. God has given you his spirit and given you the ability to live like this, to be able to make sacrifices like this because he made the first sacrifice, the ultimate one. And that same ability that was in God, that same spirit that was in God, in Christ Jesus, that he could lay down his life for other people is now inside you. And it means you can now do that. But if you're not born again, you can't have access to this. So if you're not, you know, just... You know, speak up. Bible says in Romans 10, verse 9, if you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, do you believe that Christ raised Jesus or God raised Christ from the dead? Do you believe he died for your sins and you believe he was raised from the dead? If you do so, it says with your mouth, confession is made. So, just confess and say, Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I believe you died for my sins. I believe that I am forgiven now. Hallelujah. If you pray that prayer, you are saved. You're born again and you belong to God's family, right? You can message me on Instagram and I can show you the next thing to do, what to do next in your Christian walk. Hallelujah. All right, guys, that is it. Make sure you share this with someone. I believe that this is a message that your friends need to hear. The people around you need to hear. Your family members need to hear. So why don't you share this with them? Share this. Let's get more awareness for these things. You'll be helping someone and you'll be investing in someone's eternity and it's going to make God really happy. All right? So why don't you go ahead? I know people just go ahead and share. All right? God bless you. Have a wonderful day and bye-bye. If this blessed you or you want to say hi or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram. That's pst.sien. P-S-T dot E-S-S-I-E-N. See you there.